right. We're ready to go. All right. We are back now for our two more debt talks. Uh, this next fellow, as, as, as I mentioned, lives here in the same town as I do in Allen, highest per capita place in the world for, uh, for various age institute fellows. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, must be something in the water. That's all I'm saying. Uh, he, he, uh, he and I, I think, went, went, went to lunch, was it six years ago now, seven years ago? Crazy how time flies. And his first line to me was, I, I used to be an apostate. I used to be a believer in the billable hour. In fact, his first, his first, uh, first time that he, he, he encountered the billable hour is he, he was on a panel conversation and he was pro-billable hour to the anti-billable hour someone else. <clears throat> and had some, had some epiphanies. So uh, not quite sure what he's going to talk about here, but uh, I I want a big, well, big welcome and a round of applause for Kirk Berman, who helped me put this event together so much. So, come on, Kirk. Thanks, Ed. Yep. Thank you very much. On behalf of Art of Value and Verisage, thank you for all of you who came, especially those of you who came across either pond. We're very proud of the fact that this is very international, and the way it's going with John Chisholm's continued marketing probably Art of Value 2019 will probably be down under at the rate it's going. So, John, again, thank you for everything you've done. So, one of the things I've been thinking about quite a bit as I have been presenting value pricing over the last six months to some different audiences is why is it so hard to make the switch? And Ed kind of hinted at my story. The short version is I heard this phrase from the other consultant on that panel. He said, if you bill by the hour, there's an artificial limit on your income. And he's completely right. And that is the phrase that caused me to study the business model for about 90 days. And then, since you learn things much better when you teach, as soon as I decided to implement the business model, I scheduled a presentation to teach the business model two months later. But what I've realized as I've been presenting is the way I switched is not what is typical. What I thought was typical was you hear about it, you get so excited about it, you just are running and rushing to implement it. But there may be others who had that story, but what I found is there are more people who are having trouble making the leap. So what I've realized is my mission is that I want to help other professionals make the move to a business model that empowers them financially. And what I mean empowering them financially is it allows them to do things like pay off a mortgage on their house, or send their kids to college debt free, or be able to put their parents in a retirement home that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Things of that nature. That's the power that this business model has. It's the power it had on me because thanks to learning this business model, when the right opportunity came along, I was able to pay off the second mortgage on my house. So this has incredible, incredible power. The challenge is, as I mentioned, not everybody has the same experience. Not everybody studies it in 90 days, makes a decision, and then teaches it too much later. Some people go to conferences like this for two or three years, and the idea of making the switch, they hear about it, they get the idea, but pulling the trigger becomes just something that is a barrier. And getting over that barrier, I think the longer you wait, the higher the wall begins to get. And so 
one of the things I'm looking for is new metaphors, new frameworks for teaching this. And one of the things I love is at an event like this, I sit down and talk with other individuals. They make one comment, and that comment leads me to think a different way. And so some of that has happened this weekend. A book that I came across um, recently, and I listened to the audiobook, is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And what he talks about is that all of us have what he calls the upper limit that we can't seem to get beyond. The upper limit being this place where we're doing things really well and we're getting praise and we're getting adoration, people like coming to us for that and so forth, and that becomes secure and comfortable. So secure and comfortable that we won't take a risk. And I think to some degree that describes professionals and firms that are in the billable hour. It's comfortable. It works. And I hate to say it, but yeah, you can make money. You can be profitable billing by the hour. The way he describes that he came to realize going past the upper limit was he kind of looks at four zones or what he calls them. The first is zone of incompetence. These are the things you don't do well. These are the things that somebody else should be doing. You realize it, and, you know, it's like if my car breaks down, I know not to pop the hood and try to do something under there because all I'm going to do is add to the bill when I get to the garage. I'm completely incompetent. I know it. I'm not going to touch it. The next one is the zone of competence. These are things you can actually do. For example, I can do my own accounting or my own tax return. But there are other people, many of them in this room, who could do it much better than I can. So is it the best use of my resources to do something that's in my zone of competence? Well, just because your competence is not enough, you need to continue to move up the ladder. And so he says the next ladder is the zone of excellence. These are the things that become your upper limit. These are the things that you're really good at. Again, people come to you, they want you to do it. I'll give you an example for me. I love podcasting. I love editing my own podcast. I'm actually really good at it. I get a lot of positive feedback from people about the sound of my show, and I put a lot of time and effort into it. But that's not what I should be doing. Just because I'm extremely good at it, that's not the thing that I was put on this earth to do. That's not the unique thing that I should be doing. The unique thing that I should be doing and you should be doing is what's called your zone of genius. And when I thought about the zone of genius, I realized that if we're all about creating value for our customers, for ourselves, for our families, etc., we need to find our zone of genius because you're going to create more value for the people you want to create value for out of your zone of genius than any of the others. Yes, you can create extraordinary value out of your zone of excellence, but it's out of the zone of genius where you're doing that one thing that is you and you uniquely alone where you can create the most value. And if we're about creating the most value for our customers, then we need to make sure that we are creating the most value we can ourselves. And I honestly believe that when people have trouble moving from the billable hour to value pricing, they are encountering an upper limit. And so what I'm trying to do is look for new ways to help them move past that upper limit. And I'm going to be using this framework some because I think you can't get into and stay in your zone of genius with a billable hour and a timesheet. It's, it's incompetence is what it is. All right. It's the, it's the lowest zone as far as I'm concerned. So 
I really enjoyed putting on this event and the Art of Value event, and so I just wanted to share with you some positive feedback because we did have an impact, and we had an impact fairly quickly, so I wanted to share a couple of those with you. So I had a conversation with Lisa the other night, and she said something to me, and again, it's these short conversations where I realize, okay, here's something significant that I need to be aware of. I've always said that I don't think there's a formula to value pricing. I hate formulas. I hate math when it comes to pricing because I think pricing is a judgment. And so Lisa said that she did not realize there is no formula. Now she can do it. She just heard somebody that she had trust in say there's no formula. And it, it took off the upper limit from her, and I'm really excited to hear what you're going to be doing here soon. This next example is one that Ed and I received via Facebook. It's from Joy, who also attended the Art of Value event. This is the type of impact that this stuff has, and this is why my mission is to help professionals reach these financial milestones because it's, it increases the value they can deliver. My colleague and I were in the middle of pricing a deal while attending the Art of Value conference. We decided to do two things for this deal. One, offer three options. And two, do the underwear test. Now, for those of you who weren't here, the underwear test is if you don't occasionally need a new pair of underwear after pricing something, then you're not pushing hard enough, okay? <laughs> if you need me to spell it out a little more, if there's not a skid mark occasionally, okay, you've got to pass the underwear test. So they did. They not only offered three options, but, you know, they needed new underwear. And... They said, you know, honestly, we kind of shot for the moon. So one, I'm just astounded that just coming, you know, to a, a two-day conference in Allen, Texas would persuade somebody to do this. But the cool thing was she also shared the results with us. We set a time with a client. My partner almost immediately starts explaining the price. See, he's, that, that upper limit's just kicking in right there. The client interrupted and says, the price doesn't bother me. And at the same time, they did a fist pump followed by, oh, crap. So this is somebody who they saw, and she didn't tell me what the price was, but I'm, I'm guessing they probably got a 10 to 20-fold return on coming to the conference. And they literally decided to step outside their upper limit get into the zone of genius as it comes to pricing, which is where I think value pricing falls, and swing for the, swing for the bleachers. So thank you.